Entrepreneur Circle is an on-air brands production and a proud member of the On-Air Brands Network. Hi, this is Robert Kiyosaki, and you're listening to Entrepreneur Circle with Eric Cabral. On this episode, you are looking to grow, whether it be a personal brand, a business, marketing is a huge component to it. It is really about trying to drive awareness of the value you can bring and you create for other people. Marketing is just your way of amplifying that awareness, and you shouldn't feel bad about helping people. Hey there, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur Circle podcast, where we inspire you by talking to entrepreneurs and business owners about mindset, goals, vision, tips and strategies on how to crush life and business. I am your host, Eric Cabral, real estate investor and a creative. I've been in the creative industry for over 20 years, got my start in New York City as a junior art director and made my way up the corporate ladder to become the creative director at the number one pharma company in the world. That was until I decided to hang up my corporate hat and start my own creative agency called On Air Brands, where we broadcast your brand and your message using social media and live stream events. Hit us up at info at onairbrands.com to learn more. Also, like, subscribe, and share this podcast on social. We greatly appreciate you for it. And also, don't hesitate to send us any feedback that you may have because we always love, love, love hearing from you. Before we jump into the show, I'd like to share what some of our sponsors, partners, and friends of the show have to offer you. Hello, this is Josh McCowan, CEO of Viva May Hospitality and the beautiful Renault Resort Winery. I have to tell you, the secret's out. And the secret is On Air Brands. On Air Brands Creative Agency, which specializes in launching podcasts, transforming live events into live streaming events, and social media marketing soup to nuts. On Air Brands has changed the game. There'll never be a day from here forward when you and I and our companies don't need to be on the air. Every brand needs to be on the air, but so few know that. So it's great to work with a group that are ahead of the curve and to find a company that has been built on the core foundation of the future of marketing. If you're ready to broadcast your brand like they've done for my brands, take the next step and make a change that can transform your business, reach out to On Air Brands today. That's onairbrands.com. Yes, onairbrands.com. Hey there, folks. We are back and excited to be here because this is a unique episode coming at you, a series of episodes unique to the Entrepreneur Circle because we had never done this before. But what this episode is, is one of many episodes coming from the Mid-Atlantic Summit, which was an amazing event put on by my good friend, Dave Van Horn of PPR Note. And what was cool about the event was not just the wealth of content that was coming at us from every angle, multiple stages running at the same time in Philadelphia, but the quality of the people in the network the people that were attending, the people that were on stage, the people that you were surrounded by were all next level. Part of a culture of people that just want to level up 
and help you level up and want to learn from each other and to grow one another and with each other. So this is such a cool event. I highly recommend Mid-Atlantic Summit. Check that out at midatlanticsummit.com. But what we were doing there was um, representing our event called PodMax. And we were so happy and so proud to be a sponsor and a partner with Dave at this event because we flew our PodMax banner really proudly and we showed everyone what that event was. And if you aren't familiar with it, please go check out podmax.co. And what PodMax is, is an event that happens, it's one day and we run entrepreneurs through the gauntlet of recording shows, one after the other, back to back, all under one house, one roof, and one day, the most efficient use of your time. And what's cool about it is we have partnered with a bunch of top-rated podcasts like MC Lobster's Cashflow Ninja and Matt Fairclaw's DeRosa Group YouTube channel and Liz Fairclaw's Real Estate Invest Her Show and Jason and Peely and Yurusi's REI Foundation. And for those of you who are big fans of the Entrepreneur Circle, Capital Hacking is there as well. So there's that and many, many more shows that are a part of PodMax, and we get to give that to people uh, an opportunity to tell their story on these multiple platforms and to share their story with all these different communities. So what we did was at the Mid-Atlantic Summit, set up a little slice of that experience on in, in one day or two days at the event where Mr. Josh Carey of The Hidden Entrepreneur was there interviewing people. And Josh is also part of the, entre the, uh, the PodMax event. And he interviews people. And he is the ultimate professional when it comes to podcast interviews. Everyone on the team has internally started calling him the doctor. When he walks in the door, uh-oh, the doctor's in because he gets to work. He operates, he gets into your brain and he starts pulling things out that you never knew were even there. And it's such an amazing experience. And we were so truly blessed to have him there interviewing people. So this episode is an episode where Josh is a guest host on the Entrepreneur Circle interviewing people at the Mid-Atlantic Summit. So please check out our event if you want to experience or you want to hear more about it because it truly is a unique experience that we are giving to people um, and we're really super proud to be helping entrepreneurs tell their story, broadcast their brand on multiple platforms. So check it out at podmax.co and please hit the apply now button to enter into the next one. The dates will always be updated on our website. So check that out at podmax.co. And please enjoy this episode with special guest host, Josh Carey. Well, hello there. Thank you for tuning back in as we are still here live, coming to you live from the Mid-Atlantic Summit in beautiful Philly, PA. I am Josh Carey, your host for today as part of Entrepreneurs Circle, sitting here with a great guest, John Kassman, who is the founder of Kassman Capital Group. What's going on, John? Thank you for having me today. Are you having a, a great time here Absolutely. at the event? Absolutely. I got to. I had a hell getting here, man. I had a uh, flight was canceled yesterday. From where? From Cincinnati. It was canceled yesterday uh, because of mechanical issues. It was delayed this morning by an hour and a half, but I'm finally here. And the good thing, 
the bright side of all that is I had plenty of time to write. So I finished up a couple of new email newsletters I'm sending out, some other content that we're developing. So uh, nonetheless, I'm glad I'm here. We just came off the stage speaking on the a panel about raising capital. So I'm happy I'm here and uh, having a great time thus far. So from all you just said, I, I see that you're, you're, you're not only a writer, but you're a marketer, which I know is a big part of your story. And you're a speaker. You were on the stage. You were part of this event. That's right. Yeah. Speaking here at this event, you know, Dave and Horn's a great ghost, great host and a great guy. See, I was trying to say guy and host. And, and it guy came out, ghost. right. Um, Dave's a great ghost. That's a very interesting, <laughs> that just so happens to be a word. <laughs> so uh, Dave's a great, great, I was about to say ghost again. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> He's a great host and a great guy. And uh, I've known Dave for a while. So I was very happy to uh, accept his invitation to come out and speak at this event. You, you're the founder of Kasman Capital Group. You were speaking on a panel on about raising capital. How did you get to that? Like, like what is your, what is your expertise there? Yeah, I mean, the short story is, you know, I've always known that real estate investing was a very powerful tool to elevate yourself, to create wealth and protect wealth for yourself and your family. Um, we started off investing, we, me and my wife and I, we started off investing with a duplex. We house hacked that du duplex. We bought a three unit building after that. That did really well. We refinanced that first property. We bought an eight unit building. And as we were doing this, our friends and other folks started to take notice and express some interest in investing. And I'm like, oh, it's awesome. Here's what you do. And they would look at me and say, dude, I'm not about to do all that. And the light bulb finally <laughs> went off that. Isn't that funny? You give people the, the roadmap. Here's what you do. And they say, I'm not going to do that. Go ahead. They, they weren't going to do it, but they wanted the benefits. And I was at a point where we were running out of our own money because we never took out any of the equity. We would save up everything, buy a property, save up everything, buy a property. So we, we didn't have any like money laying around because it was all tied into these properties. So the light bulb finally went off that. Well, maybe if they don't want to do it themselves, maybe we do it like we're doing they can partner with us so I don't have to save up 100K or whatever it was at the time to buy a property. And we can go faster because now I have partners. So at that moment, before I wanted to take on investor capital, I felt like I really needed to get educated. And I kind of took a step back, furthered my education, I hired a mentor. And I thought my next deal was gonna be like a 15 unit or 20 unit deal. And my next deal was actually 192 units with a bunch of partners. So that kind of just opened up the mindset, being more of a team player, being more team oriented, partnership oriented, that really allowed us to grow and, and prosper. And here we are today with a pretty large portfolio where we're general partners around $85 million worth of real estate. Wow, that's extraordinary. I don't wanna gloss over what you said. When the point came, you had the light bulb that, wait a minute, I see how we can take the next step, involve all these people who want the benefit but don't want to put in the work. Fine, there's still a role for them, but you didn't have everything you needed at that point at your disposal. So you knew enough to say, I know what I don't know, so let me go learn. Let me take the time. Let me take a breather, step back for a minute. And you educated yourself, including finding a mentor. So important. Yeah, I was petrified of losing someone else's money. Um, you know, the success we had, I, I really tied most of it to finding the right locations, right? That's the first thing they tell you. The number one rule of real estate is location, right? So we knew that all the deals we had done up to that point, location was prime. I mean, I crushed my first deal, but I bought in one of the best neighborhoods in Chicago. It was the only neighborhood out of 77 distinct neighborhoods. It was the only one that did not lose any value during the economic downturn. So I knew how to find the best places to invest in Chicago. 
But as we started to look in other markets where maybe there was better cash flow or different things like that, you know, it became a little bit harder. And I, I didn't have a stat or something like that that was so eye-opening and so clear and obvious that it became more challenging. And I just wanted to make sure whatever we were doing while we were having success, I didn't want to assume that I could just continue to replicate that without really understanding what was driving the success. And I didn't want to mess up and learn the hard way. I wanted to learn how other people were having success. So that's why we ended up taking those steps before we brought on partners. Wow. So you got yourself, your your head and education in line and, and now made it happen. What brought you to this investor industry to begin with? Did you have your eye? Did, did you like, like, how'd you fall into it? Well, I mean, I, I think for us, I mean, when we started with our personal portfolio, it was really about supplementing our income. And for me, that was important for a few reasons. Um, one, growing up, uh, my father was on strike a couple of times, you know, blue collar worker, worked for uh, some different companies, but he's been on strike maybe three times. Uh, my mother lost her job during the economic downturn around 2000, 2001, whenever that was. Um, so I kind of saw what happened. It was hard to find work. And I didn't want to be in a position where uh, I had a family and we're, you know, I was out of work. The other thing that happened, which was critical, is I worked at, uh, I'll just say GM, uh, from 2007 to 2011. So anybody who remembers that time frame, that was, you know, 2008, 2009 is when we went into bankruptcy. So I watched people that I worked wow. with get let go. And I was at headquarters, you know, I was sitting at headquarters and I remember the day I got a phone call where I was supposed to be entering to a contract with a pretty big recording artist. And he had already done some appearances for us, anticipating the renewal of this agreement. And they called me and said, don't sign that agreement. And I'm like, are you crazy? Like, I just, he just did something for us last weekend because we told him it was coming. They said, don't sign the agreement oh my God. and hung up. I mean, there was no back and forth. They just told me, hey, this is like in April. So I didn't know what was going on at the time. They didn't really share that information, but I had to go to his team and say, hey, look guys, we can't sign the agreement. And from there, it started to come out over the next few weeks and next couple of months about the different challenges we were having financially. And then obviously none of us knew that this wasn't just our company, this was an industry and an overall United States economy situation. Um, so with all that said, for me, that was really the last trigger to say, hey, look, you can't just assume you can get a good job at a good company and ride it out. You got to take care of yourself and your family and don't leave that up to someone else. And I think having passive income or a second source of income and just educating yourself and being in a position where you can kind of create for yourself, that was a powerful thing. So that really kind of sparked me down the path of buying our own properties and starting to create our own wealth. But then, you know, as we started running out of our own money, that that really opened it up to, all right, well, this plan is great, but this is a 15 year strategy before I can get the kind of, you know, financial freedom that allows me to, you know, thrive and do everything I want to do without, you know, cutting out the lattes that, you know, maybe some other folks might tell you about. And so let's bring it back to your family that you've referenced. You you have a wife, you have children. What's the children like? Honey? I got two boys. I got a five-year-old and a three-year-old. They're very good, sweet kids. Are they? They are. How do you, how, teach me. How does that happen? Well, you know, um, they're very independent as well. So my, my five-year-old is wicked smart. Can I say that? Is that more of a Boston thing? Wicked smart? It might be, but I, right. I get the tone. 
All right. Well, he's really smart. He's a really, really smart kid. He's reading. He's the only kid in his kindergarten class that is reading books by himself. Wow. Um, he reads to himself every night. He reads to his brother as well. So uh, he loves doing math, double-digit addition, uh, subtraction. So he's he's very smart. He's also extremely competitive. He loves sports. Um, he will go out and shoot hoops um, for hours at a time. He at will, five, yeah. At five. He will, shoot, he will bowl, and he will bowl three games straight, no break, no distractions. So he's very wow. focused and very competitive. My three-year-old is just a sweetheart. He will give you the best hugs. He will smile at you. He will make you feel good on a bad day. Uh, but they're both very sweet kids. Love them both. That's amazing. I have a six-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son. Oh, you're just a year above me. Yeah, exactly. With with the daughter and the son. And they are just um, off the wall. But <laughs> every bit every bit loving and adorable yeah. and sweet. They're best friends, which I think is, they are like attached at the hip. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> but I mean, it's sometimes it's chaotic. Do you have, you have any chaos? Oh, it's absolutely chaotic. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think for us, you know, we just moved to Cincinnati about maybe three months ago. And a big reason for that was, you know, our kids were growing up and we wanted our kids to be in the same place right? we wanted them when they started school, we wanted them to be in the same school system and, and not have to move and bounce around. I mean, I travel a lot for work. I've been traveling for work since I've been in corporate, you know, started my corporate job. And even now, though, you know, I'm full time in real estate you know, we still travel for events and, you know, I'm hosting my meetup on Monday wow. in Chicago. So I still kind of move around the country a little bit. And we wanted to kind of just have a base. Living in Chicago, none of our family was there. So anytime any one of us had to go travel, the other one had to assume not only their, their, their regular, you know, corporate or whatever responsibilities, but now you're also a single parent. Yeah. Um, and you're trying to juggle all of that. And it was very stressful at times. And then for me at that time, I was working a full-time job, growing this real estate business, and at times being a single dad. So it was really hard, you know, when my wife was on the road because you take on all these things and obviously something has to give. You know, I can't be the best real estate investor on a day where I've got to watch the kids and I certainly wasn't going to be the best employee while I was trying to be a great real estate investor and watching the kids. So it was always this juggling act and you kind of felt like you were never being the best version of yourself. You just gave a, a you know, a, an acceptable version of yourself in every as aspect. Yeah. Um, so we, we moved to Cincinnati. Um, I left my corporate job, focusing full-time on real estate. And it's allowed me to be a better father. And it's allowed me to really focus on the business and do the things that grow the business as opposed to the things that um, just feel urgent. You know, There's a difference between things that are urgent and things that are important. And you know, I talked about missing the flight or the flight canceling. Well, guess what? I got to do the things that were important. They weren't urgent, but they were important. You know, Revamping our newsletter structure. Um, tr structuring our new nurture sequence for our email campaign. Doesn't sound like an urgent thing at all because it's not urgent. Nothing's going to happen if I don't. don't get that done, but I'm missing out on a lot of opportunities, right? So doing those kind of things are what's really important for the business and being able to create the time where I can do that without staying up till one in the morning or two in the morning and just hustling my ass off all the time, you know, um, that was really important as well. In order to achieve that, you becoming the best father you could be, the best business person you can be, the best investor you can be, you need buy-in from uh, everybody on your team, meaning in this case, your wife? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my wife is my, my number one. You know, we sat, we have a lot of conversations and for us, um, it always starts with the end in mind, you know, and I don't mean the end like, hey, quit your job, don't worry about the money. I mean, like, when we're old and gray and waking up next to each other, talking about our life together. With an empty house. With an empty house. Or are we nomads and 
running around the world. I don't know. Um, but what are we saying to each other? What kind of life do we create? What do we need to do today wow. to get there? Um, and then we, we have conversations about obviously the steps getting there. What do we do this year? What do we want to do over the next few months? What do we want to do for our kids? How do we want to raise them? What environment do we want to raise them in? So the, the Cincinnati thing, that was huge really because we wanted them to be around their, their cousins. Um, they call them Didi's, right? Uh, so they're sisters. But that was really important. I think we saw them interacting with them, and they have such a love and such a bond. My boys are the only two boys in the family. Oh, really? So... Um, if anyone's familiar with like different Indian holidays uh, and ceremonies, they do uh, Rocky where they, they tie kind of um, a little ribbon on, um, on the kids' um, wrists and the boys give their sisters or their, their deities um, a gift. So they all do that with the boys. And part of it was like just from a cultural standpoint, we wanted them to really be in, you know, enthralled with the culture because you know, it's hard for my wife to do it all by herself. And you're talking about you know, two people from two different cultures. Um, raising them with strong uh, affiliations and confidence in both cultures was really critical to who we wanted to be as parents. Uh, we talked a lot about the struggles and the things that we would need to do to make sure that they were proud of their heritage and who they mm. were and not someone who, you know, felt like they, they weren't really recognizing themselves fully. So that was a really important thing. And having them be closer to that culture was a really important thing. So my wife is absolutely, we're always on the same page with those things. We talk about the goal first and foremost, what are we trying to accomplish? And then we'll, we'll, we'll bounce back and forth on options. Well, what if you do this or what if you do that? Or, hey, if I did this, how would that impact that? So we talk a lot about how we get it done. We try to first and foremost align on what the goal is, what are we trying to accomplish, and then what are the different ways we can attack this thing? So you guys are, are, are partners and business partners and life partners, which not every husband and wife has. Yeah, no, she, she's absolutely my partner. And it can be challenging at times, too, because at times, you know, and we went through a period back when we were in Chicago in particular where, you know, I was exhausted because I was working a full-time job. I was growing this business. I'm putting out the podcast. I'm, you know, hosting meetups. I'm put, getting ready to put on a conference. And I'm doing, you know, we're doing real estate deals. And I'm still trying to be the great dad. And husband. I'm just trying to be a decent husband at this point, right? I'm sitting here like, <laughs> all right, look, out of everybody who could suffer, right. I think you know what's right. going on and you're an adult. Right. The kids don't care, right? right. So I got to be a good enough dad where right. the kids don't feel like, uh, who's this, you know, who's this dude? Um, but on the same note, you know, you got to a point where it's just very stressful. And as a business partner, for me, that's where we kind of ran into challenges because I would look at the business and maybe challenge the things that need to be done in the business. And I want to tell my business partner, you need to step your game up. You were supposed to do that last week and it's not done. But that's also my wife. And I know why she didn't do it, because she was watching the kids and she was cooking dinner and she was busting her ass at her own job. Right. So there's a balance in. Hey, are we both just going to stay up and work till one, two in the morning grinding on all this? Or are we going to, you know, either delegate better, change roles and responsibilities? So we had to have a lot wow. of those conversations about the business and be honest with each other and say, look, I need more out of what you're doing. And it's not you. I'm not saying you have to do more, but I need that work done. So if that means hiring someone else, then let's do that. And we ended up doing that. We ended up taking some work off the plate. We brought in some VAs and some assistants to help with different aspects of the business. And um, that's that's kind of allowed us to grow as opposed to, you know, just kind of putting pressure on my wife, which, by the way, that never ends well. Because I could separate and I could look at my business partner and say, hey, you're slacking. And then turn that off and then look at my wife and like, hey, baby. And she was not. She looked at me like, you just, you just like chewed me a new one. So I don't know what you hey, baby. Me for. <laughs> oh, I love it. On that note, talking about um, this all seems like you've mastered communication. 
And the I wouldn't say mastered. I wouldn't say mastered. I, I, you acknowledge it. You understand it. I do. Yeah, I, I acknowledge it for sure. It's definitely something that stays top of mind for me. And um, it's really important to my growth, our growth. And uh, my background is in communications and marketing. So oh, is it? Yeah. So my, my degree is actually in mass communications. Oh, there you go. Um, which the people laugh at it because it's like a liberal arts degree. But yeah. it, it worked for me. It was in a minor in public or uh, mass communications and public relations and a minor in marketing. So I actually used wow. my degree uh, while some people didn't. But, uh, but nonetheless, um, I take it because of that, I feel like I'm more aware of the communication thing. So I try to just understand that and bring that to the forefront. And we also have that conversation and say, look, it's not solely on me. We have to have a conversation. If there's something that you're seeing, something you're not liking, let's flag it. You don't have to bring it up in that moment, but let's address it later that day. So mm. we can just, let's call it out. I'll tell you what I was thinking. Maybe yeah. I didn't, maybe you heard something that was not my intention. So we just try to work it out and just talk through those kind of things wow. to make sure we're on the same page. Earlier, before we went on the mics here, you had mentioned how growing up you were an oxymoron. Paint that picture for us. <laughs> so uh, in one breath, I mean, you can picture, um, you know, this kind of skinny, young, dorky kid. Right. Uh, so I I was an asthmatic. So I competed in the asthma summer games every year. Uh, I was a chess player. I love chess. I was on a chess team in middle school. I was uh, I played the clarinet. And I was in the marching band um, and I had really bad eczema. So you, you can picture a kid who, who embodies those different characteristics. And then on the flip side, I love competing. I love physical contact. So I was a wrestler. Um, I did Taekwondo and I really enjoyed um, being competitive. So, you know, there was this kid who was a wrestling Taekwondo kid who also enjoyed chess and marching band. Marchman, I didn't enjoy as much as my father, like, basically gave me the death threat that I was never going to quit. But nonetheless. Really? Yeah. But nonetheless. Um, Why you know, was that important to him? Oh, he didn't care about the marching band. Right. He bought me a $400 clarinet and I wasn't quitting that damn clarinet until. So he bought it for me in fourth grade. And I decided I, bought, I decided I want to play clarinet because there's this cute girl who played clarinet. <laughs> and um, that was never a strong reason to play, by the way. So three months later, I decided I want to play and I quit. Um, but I didn't tell anybody I quit because I knew what the reaction was going to be. So I actually, um, <laughs> I actually uh, kind of created a document. Um, some might say forged, but I we'll create, say created. Yeah, we'll, we'll say created a document, and I may or may not have copied my mother's signature on it, submitted it, and uh, got out of playing. And this went on for like two or three months. You submitted it to the band, to the teacher, yeah, to the teacher who was in the class or whatever. That would dismiss you from that end, but you still basically, didn't tell your yeah. yeah, basically telling her that yeah, John's no longer gonna be yeah. playing a clarinet. Whatever. But you didn't tell your family. Obviously. Oh, of course not. No, oh. and um, somehow they found out like maybe a month or two later, and. Um, my father was a very, he's a, he's a, he's a sweet man. He's got a great sense of humor. He's a gentle soul. Um, but he put the fear in me in a way that, uh, I would not want anyone. And he basically said, you're going to play this thing until I tell you you're mm -hmm. done playing. And it wasn't until I was 16 years old that I got the courage to say "Dad, I suck at this and I don't want to play anymore <laughs> and I'm not going to play anymore. Um, and, it, and it was an important thing. I think in hindsight, part of it was, you know, when you come from a blue collar family, um, you know, especially when parents want to provide for the kids and provide the best for them. My dad bought me a brand new clarinet for $400. So that was a lot of money for, for us at that time. And, um, I think me quitting was, 
not respectful of the the sacrifices that he made and the, the gesture, belief that he yeah. had, the gesture. I mean, he was he was giving his son, you know, the the best he could and the the platform. And to, you're like, nah, I don't yeah, want it and anymore. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. And he was like, are you like, yeah. no, like, dude. So and I didn't, you know, as a kid, you don't, yeah. you don't, you can't. As an adult now, I completely. You're like, get oh, it. I, I see. Yeah, I mean, he's still. I gave it to my my cousin when I was in my twenties, and he's still mad at that. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to. What do you want? I'm not playing this damn thing. <laughs> He's so mad it was that. sitting in my closet for like oh, five this years. Is so great. So. John, I feel like I, I, I feel like we could Joe Rogan this episode and just go for two to three hours. <laughs> Literally. I mean, I feel like we barely scratched the surface and there's so much more. But yet this this absolutely stands on its own. Um, looking to everything we spoke about, what do you think the person listening needs to hear going forward? What hasn't yet been said? I mean, I think the first thing is just understanding where you're at. You know, if you are looking to grow, whether it be a personal brand, a business, or you know, I think most people listen to a podcast like this are trying to figure out how do they elevate themselves, elevate their business, kind of move things forward with their finances. And I think marketing is a huge component to it. And I think some people um, think about it as something dirty and it's not that it's not scheming the system. It's not any of that. It is really about trying to drive awareness of the value you can bring and you create for other people. And you have different platforms that allow you to communicate that. But if you are focused on the value you can create for other people, then it's marketing is just your way of amplifying that awareness. And you shouldn't feel bad about helping people. If you can help people, why wouldn't you do that? And why wouldn't you try to help as many people as you possibly can? Um, and there's nothing wrong with being compensated for that. So I would say you really want to make sure from a mentality standpoint that you are focused on adding value or creating value for other people in your business or whatever endeavor you're, you're focused on. Add value, create value, and then figure out how to amplify that. This has been extraordinary. How, how can people find you and follow up on this conversation with you? Yeah, if you're interested in multifamily and marketing, I got a great podcast called Target Market Insights. So you can check that out. It's anywhere you listen to podcasts. And then um, you can also email me. My email is john at casmancapital.com. And then I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on most of the social media platforms, but LinkedIn is the one I'm probably most active on. So uh, you just search John Casman and I'll, I'll be there as well. John Kasman, you're a great guy, a smart dude. I like it all. Thank you Thank for coming you for on. Me. Yeah. That's it for now, folks. If you'd like to stay in touch with the show, you can contact me directly at eric at onairbrands.com. That's eric, E-R-I-K, at onairbrands.com. And if you aren't already subscribed to the show, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. And please recommend us to one or two people in your circle. That will go a long, long way to growing our community. Also, if you could rate us on iTunes, just take a moment uh, to give us five stars. And if they have more stars, give all of them. We'd greatly appreciate you for that. And always, always like, subscribe, and share, share, share this show on social media. We'd love you for that as well. And if you have any ideas or want to hear something on a future show, please hit us up. Maybe you have a question for one of my guests or you want to uh, tell a story, a success story. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that, especially if you're on the Anchor platform. You can leave us a voice message. We'd love to incorporate you and your voice on a future episode. Once again, folks, thanks again for listening to the Entrepreneur Circle. Please like, subscribe, and share, share, share. I am Eric Cabral, and as always, remember, your network is your net worth. So get in the circle. <laughs> <laughs>